Okay. We are recording now Tuesday of the portion of this week, Vayikra. Vayikra is the first portion of this entire book, which is dedicated to the service of the offerings and all the details of the priests and their work and the offerings of the sacrifices. Very interesting that this, the opening offerings are actually not discussing communal offerings that we might think are more important and take precedence. They're not discussing sin offerings, guilt offerings, which might more in be viewed as the common offering, but actually they're discussing free will offerings. And what we're beginning here with are people that are just donating, that of their own will are donating offerings to God, both because realistically at this time, this is still, these Torah portions are being said during the time when the Jews were in the seventh day of consecration of the tabernacle, the seven days from the 23rd of Adar till the 1st of Nisan, which was the eighth day and the first day of the normative, more normative service. And in these days, we can't really imagine the Jews are going to be sinning, so we probably don't need for the Jews to know the laws of the sin offerings as much as the free will offerings. Of course, the Jews so generously donated to the temple, to the tabernacle, all of the supplies. Now, of course, when they can offer sacrifices, they're going to want to generously dedicate many free will sacrifices, which is why these are the laws they need to know. On a deeper level, the main import of any offering is your heart, is the emotion that you're investing before and during the act of the sacrifice, both the free will offering and one for a transgression. You're supposed to envision yourself as that offering being given up to God. But even though this is the main import of the offering, it's not really written anywhere clearly in the Torah that this is a concept. So therefore, we begin with these free will offerings, because obviously a free will offering is about wanting to come close to God, wanting to give him this gift. Your heart's obviously involved, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. So this is implying for us really the the lesson of all offerings, which is this is about the heart, this is about coming close to God. Today we're in the third section and we're focusing on the meal offering. This is actually the fifth of the meal offerings that are described in this section. Four of them were in Monday's portion. We had the meal offering of the flour, so to speak, in its raw state, mixed with the oil and the incense. We had two types of meal offerings that were baked, one mixed with oil and one baked, and then the oil was smeared on it on top. And we had the meal offering in the shallow frying pan. And today, the fifth type of meal offering is the same composition. There's always the same ingredients, the flour, the oil, and the incense. But here, it's in a very deep pan where the oil is pooling on the bottom, and therefore the consistency of what it's produced is very different. It's much softer. So the verse says, this is chapter 2, verse 7. If your offering is a meal offering in a deep pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. <clears throat> so the deep pan they had was, since it was constructed in a deep way, the oil gathered on the bottom, not like in a more shallow pan where the fire would consume the oil. Then it would have that more than that, uh, we would think of it as like sort of pancake fry consistency, but here it became softer. So it's as if the, the meal offering that's produced here is more of a soft, malleable 
texture that if you would touch it, it would sort of move because of its softness, because of the oil being gathered on the bottom. You shall present it to God, the meal offering that will be prepared from these. He shall bring it to the priest, the coin, and he shall bring it close to the altar. Now, at this point, we're actually talking about all of these five various types of meal offering. For all five of them, this is now what happens. From any of these varieties, the priest, the owner brings it to the priest, and the priest brings it to the altar. He has to take this meal offering and has to touch the southwestern corner of the altar. Unlike the loaves of bread that were baked weekly, which do not go on the southwestern corner of the altar, unlike two breads of the Shavuos holiday, which do not go on the southwestern corner of the altar, but all other types of meal offerings, which means the five mentioned in this passage, all are brought to this southwestern corner of the altar. The priest shall separate from, separate from the meal offering its memorial portion and cause it to go up and smoke on the altar, a fire offering, a satisfying aroma to God. So how they would take this is they would take their palm, and if you would turn down the three middle fingers, not your thumb or your, not the two end fingers, and they had to be very careful. Everything was very ritualized, of course, so it had to be a full fingerful. It couldn't be too full. If it was overflowing, it didn't count, and if it wasn't full enough, it didn't count, but it had to be a completely full but not overflowing fingerful of these three fingers, and this was, was offered to God. The remnant of the meal offering is for Aaron and his sons, most holy, from the fire offerings of God. Any meal offering that you offer to God should not be prepared leavened. You should not cause to go up in smoke from any leavening or any honey as a fire offering to God. So the, the temple was generally um, Passover ready most days of the year. The only thing that really was offered there that was leavened was one type of offering, the carbon taida the meal offering in thanking God for coming out of a prison or crossing the sea or an illness, that offering, and the two loaves of the Shuas holiday, which were leavened. But otherwise, all of the meal offerings were various forms of what we would call matzah, maybe not looking like the traditional matzah as we eat it, but none of them had any rising in them. And also we're told there's no honey. Now, honey here doesn't necessarily mean honey from bees. It means anything sweet that comes from fruit or, of course, from bees, would be prohibited. He shall offer them the first fruit offering to God, but they may not go up on the altar for satisfying aroma. So the first fruit, so what are we saying here? What, so what the, what the verse is saying is, I just told you, you can't offer anything that the dough had risen on the altar, and you can't put any honey, any sweetening in it. But sometimes you can, but just not in these offerings. So when can you? So the leaven offerings were the two breads of Shuas, also that other offering I told you of, the thanking God offering. And the sweetness were from the offering of the first fruits, which were when they offered the first fruits of the figs and the dates. Because from the figs and from the dates, honey can be made. You shall salt your every meal offering with salt. You may not discontinue the salt of, you, of your God's covenant from upon your meal offering. On all your offerings shall you offer salt. So God had made a covenant with the salt since the beginning of creation. 
because God separated the waters and made upper waters and lower waters. And the lower waters were like, we don't want to be so far from God. So God said, don't worry, you'll be on every offering on the altar because the salt, which comes from the water, will be on the altar. And also, in the holiday of Sukkot, we're going to have a whole extensive pouring of the waters, which of course happened all the days of the Sukkot holiday, basically. This was a very, very joyous, central point of the Sukkot holiday was the pouring of the waters on the altar. The rest of the year besides Sukkot, there was a pouring of wine. But on the Sukkot holiday, it was a pouring of water. So through the pouring of the water on the Sukkot holiday and through the salt that's coming from the ocean or the seas, the waters, this is how the lower waters are being compensated for being lower, but they're still being close to God. On all your offerings, meaning not only on the meal offerings, but whenever they would burnt up the Ola offerings, which was completely consumed, the livestock, the fowl, on any of these offerings, there also was salt. Ideally, they would take salt from the Dead Sea. Because this represented the covenant with the waters of the earth. When you will bring a meal offering of first fruits to God, from ripe ears, parched over fire, ground from plum kernels, shall you offer the meal offering of your first grain. Now, what this is talking about here, actually in the Hebrew, it begins, the verse begins with the word im, which traditionally means if, but sometimes it means when. In this case, it means when, because we're not here talking about something optional. We are talking about the meal offering of the Omer. This was what was offered on the second day of Passover, the Omer offering, which was obligatory. It was an offering of the entire community. And this offering allowed the people to eat the new crops, the new grains that had grown and been harvested, but they were not allowed to eat them until God got his portion. So God's portion came on the second day of Passover, the Omer offering, and then the people could use the new grains that just grew this season. So at this time, the, this offering is brought from newly ripe ears of corn. Well, I'm saying corn here. It's not corn. It's actually from barley. Um, and this is unusual, of course, because generally the offerings are all from fine flour, which is the very finest thing for man. And here, barley is considered like an animal food. But this one specifically, which symbolically speaking of offering our animal, our animal soul to God, this was from animal food from barley. And they would dry it over the fire because they wanted afterwards to grind it in a mill, and it was, it was very ripe, so it was very moist. So they didn't dry it, they wouldn't be able to grind it properly. But even when they ground it, it was still moist. But they would break it up and they would grind it. These very plump kernels. In the Hebrew, the word here is carmel, which, if you break it down, is a contraction of the word car, pillow, and malay, full, as if each kernel was this plump, full pillow, because the crop was very moist and full. But that's why we have to dry it to be able to grind it, to be able to then offer it in this fashion to God. You shall put oil on it and place the incense on it, a meal offering. The priest shall cause this memorial portion to go up in smoke, from its flour and its oil, as well as its incense, a fire offering to God. 